The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Envision, fostering a community for change. Your host is Thomas Rosenberg. In today's program, you'll meet fascinating people who are implementing innovative ideas to make a difference both locally and globally. Now, here is Thomas Rosenberg. Welcome to Envision Radio, a show about regenerative communities. Hi, I'm your host, Thomas Rosenberg. This is my first show, and I'd like to share with you a bit about me and why I'm doing this show. Since 1994, my career has been focused on change leadership around environmental initiatives. I have worked on facilitating change and empowering others to lead change from within their organizations and communities. At the start of my career, building on my Bachelor of Arts in International Affairs, this took the form of local and national level advocacy and policy analysis and formulation, primarily on energy and climate issues. After receiving my Master's of Science in Environmental Sciences from Johns Hopkins University, I spent three and a half wonderful years in South America working on a variety of community level projects. While technical in their focus, these projects projects highlighted to me the importance of developing consensus through trust. This trust was built in part through actions demonstrating that everyone's opinion was heard. To ensure the long-term success of the projects, local capacity was developed. Community members were trained and given control over the future of each project. Upon my return, I pursued a Master of Business Administration in Global Management from Thunderbird, the School of Global Management in Arizona. Over the past 10 years as a management consultant and coach, I have used this multidisciplinary education and experience to help my public and private sector clients. I have guided these clients to boost their resilience by embedding sustainability into their products, business models, risk management frameworks, and organizational structures. My clients have included local and national governments, medium-sized businesses, and Fortune Global 750 corporations in the U.S., Europe, Latin America, Asia, and Africa. In these consulting engagements, I started seeing a pattern. Those tasked with leading sustainability initiatives often found themselves at their learning edge. Since most had a technical background, they struggled with the stakeholder engagement and consensus-building aspects. Wanting my clients to succeed, my work ended up including coaching and emphasizing consensus building and organizational transformation. In my more recent work as a sustainability circle coach with REV, the same pattern and needs arose. As a result, I've shifted my focus to supporting the process of change in individuals, organizations, and communities. I work with businesses of all sizes, local and regional government agencies, and individuals. I coach startups and social entrepreneurs to the Optima Business Bootcamp and currently serve as a member of the advisory board for South by Southwest Eco Startup Central. Previously, I served on the National Sustainability Committee for the Clean Tech Open, driving the creation of a new curriculum for participants of the Accelerator. For two years, I served on the Bay Area Biomimicry Network leadership team and as an advisory board member for the nonprofit Shakuru. 
Shakuro works in East Africa to ensure girls graduate from high school. The model uses the development of family microenterprises to help fund the girls' secondary education. To further help individuals and organizations, I am currently pursuing a certification as an integral coach at New Ventures West in San Francisco. One of the most important threads running through my career is that I am passionate about changing mindsets and behavior by showing you what's possible and what's already happening. There are examples across the country and around the world of people determined to help their communities pull itself up by its own bootstraps. These folks see the need in their community and they are creatively assembling the factors necessary for new possibilities to come to fruition. So why this show? The intention of this show is to cross-pollinate ideas and organizations with individual change agents, you, to accelerate this shift towards building the inclusive, just future we want, to inspire you with what's already happening across the country and across the world to create resilient, thriving communities, to empower you so that you can be change agents for your community in making positive change. So what is a regenerative community then. The Forum for the Future has a definition that I feel serves as a good starting point. It is a community that invests and reinvests in all five forms of capital, human, social, manufactured or physical, natural, and financial. Human capital is cultivating people's health, the development and refinement of their knowledge and skills, and the motivation to apply these productively. A hallmark of well-developed human capital is individuals of all ages enjoy a high standard of health. They have access to varied and satisfying opportunities for work, personal creativity, and recreation. Individuals are adept at relationships, they participate socially, and continue to develop and learn throughout their lives. Social capital brings the community together through the institutions that help maintain and enhance human capital. These institutions include voluntary organizations, businesses, families, schools, churches, and more. These systems of governance and justice are trusted and accessible. The community and society at large share key positive values and a joint sense of purpose. The structure and institution of society promote stewardship of natural resources and the development of people. I would also like to add here that I believe it's essential that developing social capital be an inclusive process that includes all groups in the community, celebrates their differences, and enables reconciliation of historical wrongs as a starting point. Manufactured or physical capital is the productive infrastructure that makes modern life happen. The tools, the machines, the buildings, roads, electricity, water services. Living and working environments are safe and supportive and all infrastructure, technology, and processes make minimum use of natural resources and maximum use of human innovation and skills. Financial capital enables all other forms of capital to be owned or traded. It is representative of the other forms of capital and should accurately represent their value, whether it's natural, social, human, or manufactured capital. Natural capital is the basis of life itself. It means that the capacity of the environment to provide ecological system integrity, biological diversity, and productivity is protected or enhanced. 
Some examples of this capacity are soil fertility, biodiversity, clean air and water, and healthy wetlands or forests or natural grasslands, depending on the ecosystem where you live. It includes renewable and non-renewable resources, sinks that absorb, neutralize, or recycle waste and processes, including climate regulation. Natural capital underpins everything. If these five capitals were a three-layer cake, the bottom layer is natural capital. The next layer is split evenly between human and social capital. The top layer is split evenly between manufactured and financial capital. This cake demonstrates how certain capitals develop from others and depend on others for their existence. This doesn't mean that all efforts to create a regenerative community have to invest in all five capitals equally all the time. However, by being more aware of how each of these capitals interrelates to the others, a community can see more clearly how well it's serving its citizens now and in the long run. This brings us to another important concept called resilience. Resilience is the capacity to adapt to change. This is not synonymous with regenerative, but an important quality in a regenerative community. Living as we do in an era of exponential change, economically and environmentally, being able to see change coming and adapt to it is key to creating new possibilities in your community. There are four essential characteristics in resilience called the four R's. Robustness or strength to withstand the change. Rapidity, speed of response. Redundancy, alternatives and their availability. Resourcefulness, capacity to identify priorities. Working to build a regenerative community tends to also develop resilience. Communities that demonstrate resilience tend to thrive. And just to note, thriving is not a destination but a state of being. Here are a couple of examples of resilience that also highlight how resilience can be the seed for creating a regenerative community. First, a hypothetical one. Perhaps you're listening in a community where a steel mill or a large manufacturing plant closes. Rather than wait for a big company to come in and hopefully value the community to set up shop, there are other ways to capture the community's creativity and skills. There might be welders or electricians or other tradespeople. Someone might start fabricating bikes, motorized or not, battery-assisted or not, that maintain pride and build possibilities. While the pay scale and number of employees may not initially be at the same level as when the large manufacturing plant was open, the community will benefit from keeping these skills in the community and the local multiplier effect of consuming locally produced value-added products and services will generate more opportunities within the community and for the community. Now for a real life example. The economy of the Anderson Valley of Northern California long focused on natural resource extraction, primarily ranching and logging. The logging went away several decades ago and ranches have declined over time as well. Only 1,500 pounds of the roughly 5 million pounds of California wool produced annually today is processed in the state. Ranchers with sheep have had to pay to ship raw wool out of state for processing and to ship it back, waiting 6 to 12 months in the process. Local textile artists and weavers have also had to source wool from out of state. One man strives to change that. Matt Gilbert who's been working as a sheep shearer since he was 12, decided to use new forms of financing to establish the Mendocino Wool and Fiber Co-op in Ukiah, California. 
He started with a crowdfunding campaign in 2014. He used a direct public offering with help from cutting-edge capital. Now, Anderson Valley ranchers can get their wool processed locally, and other artisanal activities can follow, like clothing, cheeses from the animal milk, and more. Hopefully, Matt and John Kadovich, the founder of Cutting Edge Capital, will join us on a future show. In each of these examples, the community's resources and skills are central to considering where and how to begin building resilience. There's also creativity involved in figuring out how to build consensus around an idea and bring that idea to fruition. That's where the four R's, resourcefulness, robustness, redundancy, and rapidity mentioned earlier, come into play. There are other elements beyond resilience that will help a community become more regenerative in practice, and I look forward to exploring these topics with you on this show. To sum up, a regenerative community is one that cultivates, protects, and enhances its social, economic, and natural systems by openly discussing diversity and inclusion, environmental and social justice, and equity in developing and enhancing economic opportunities. I invite you to join me on this journey, and I look forward to receiving your feedback and questions. Please go to voiceamerica.com and type Envision into the search bar. You will find a link to the page, and you can follow the links on my host page to the social media handles. After the break, we will be speaking with Daisy Ozim, the founder and director of Resilient Wellness. Resilient Wellness is an organization working to bring health education and services to underserved community. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Do you long to have a better love life? Relationships can be hard, but throw sexual problems into the mix, and it's almost impossible to keep that close connection you want to have. Colette Milan, sex and relationship therapist, has been there. She will give you sound advice to turn your libido back on and bring the love back into your lovemaking. Tune in to Making Love with Colette Milan every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. 
You are listening to Envision with Thomas Rosenberg. To find out more about the program, please visit our website at regenerate.coach. That's regenerate.coach. You can also visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Envision Regenerative Communities. Now back to Envision. Here again is Thomas Rosenberg. Hello, everybody. Welcome. We're back. My guest today is Daisy Ozum, founder and director of Resilient Wellness. Hi, Daisy. Welcome to the show. Hi, Thomas. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. I'm glad you could join us. So I'd like to jump right in and ask you, what does Resilient Wellness do? Awesome. So um, Resilient Wellness is a regenerative community-based health economy. So what we do is we provide um, services, um, and eliminate the main barrier to achieving health, which is not um, actually access to healthcare uh, insurance and healthcare services, but it's um, economic and workforce development um, and education. So Resilient Wellness, we started in 2013, and we just had our four-year anniversary, yay us, and we evolved from just being a small health education um, provider and consulting organization to a full-stack um, healthcare system, and um, I'm also happy to announce that we've now added technology as a component to the work that we're doing, and how do we utilize um, the access that we have to the local tech economy and tech industry, right, to eliminate health disparities and to promote um, a regenerative health economy. Wow. That's awesome. Well, congratulations on, on having that. I would love to hear more about what you were, you mentioned that the issue primarily with access to or improving health in these underserved communities is actually workforce development. So could you explain a little bit more about that? Sure. So um, there's something called the social determinants of health. And basically what the social determinants of health do they actually show how these uh, various factors that are separate from health actually are very interconnected with health? So your um, your location, your um, outside mm-hmm. environment, and what is in the built environment, right? Um, your um, income level, your education level, um, and now we're at there's things such as like your family history um, and your ancestry that impact your your health in the present day. These are all the social determinants of health. A mm-hmm. couple, yes. So this is actually all very new in the world of public health. Um, but these are things that we've kind of knew for a while, um, influenced health, but we couldn't directly pinpoint them uh, onto health, right? Indeed. So how are you, so is that how the data is coming into play right now? You mentioned that there was data that was coming into you added data to your services. So I was curious, is, is that how you're, are you tracking some of these social determinants for health or how are you positioning resilient wellness? Exactly. Um, so all those social determinants that I named, right, such as the education, um, the economic stability, the built environment, all of these are really influenced by um, something that we call trauma, um, intergenerational and multi-generational trauma. So some of us, uh, 
believe trauma is like, oh, I had a car accident or um, there was this um, erratic event where I experienced um, violence very briefly and then I went on my way. But trauma um, is actually generational, can be passed down for, through the DNA. Um, and trauma is actually an exposure to heightened toxic stress over a prolonged period of time. So what happens here is people who are experiencing high levels of this trauma, they're most likely to um, have lower performance outcomes in school. Um, they're least likely to be able to um, participate in economic development that's going to be sustainable, right? Um, they're probably going to be living in built environments that continue to perpetuate their trauma, and um, they're probably going to be adapting adopting risk-taking behaviors, right, that influence their health. And, like, for example, when I talk about a risk-taking behavior that influences health, um, because we know that trauma damages the prefrontal cortex that handles risk-taking and decision-making, right, we know that uh, folks who have been through trauma, they are more prone to adapt risk-taking uh, behaviors. Peer pressure, drug abuse, um, uh, uh, hypersexuality, um, poor coping mechanisms, right? Um, engaging in crime and crime and violence, right? These are all type of risk-taking behaviors, and we know that these directly influence your health, right? Mm-hmm. So what is yeah? So what is resilient wellness doing to combat this? So because we understand that trauma is really the foundation for most chronic um, illnesses, um, we made sure that our services are crafted around the healing of trauma. Our health education is designed to address the factors that perpetuate trauma, right, and then the behaviors that then continue the uh, the proliferation of the trauma cycle, right, and then the workforce and economic development piece. We make sure that we are creating a new uh, pipeline of um, healthcare leaders who understand that trauma is the foundation for most healthcare uh, for for most health um, healthcare issues. And that these individuals are going to go out with the understanding that they are going to be changing um, the institutions that they are going into because they have this special lens. Super. So where are you finding, where, how are you creating this, this pipeline of, of new healthcare leaders? Who are you seeking out? Yeah, we want to actually work with people directly from these communities, right? Um, because another, from these communities that are experiencing um, high levels of um, continuous toxic stress and trauma and marginalization um, and poor education outcomes, um, low-income uh, attainment, all of that. So we want to work with those folks because we know that um, if I come from a certain community, I'm going to be one of the individuals that can best build a connection with other individuals from that community because I look like them, I share the same mm-hmm. experience as them, and I'm better able to uh, relate to them. So um, that's because we also understand that these marginalized communities, they have a, there's also a barrier in terms of them having um, successful health outcomes because there's an element of distrust um, in the medical system overall, right? And we know that there's, we already know that there's a huge lack of diversity in the existing um, system as well. So not only are we, uh, we're doing two things, we're eliminating the stigma and increasing healthcare outcomes, and we're also creating diversity, which also impacts health out- healthcare outcomes. Mm-hmm. Great. So, uh, what can communities do to address? You know, somebody listening out there, if they want to help their own community address some of these multi generational and intergenerational 
traumas or and access to health outcomes or improvement in health outcomes? What can they do? Well, um, the first things first is to understand your own story and your own traumas and unpack those um, and work on those so that you are able to better show up for your community. Um, there, there are, I'm going to list off some of the things folks can do. Um, advocacy, organizing, uh, volunteering, um, and mentoring or sponsoring. So when I'm saying advocacy, that means going to the public health, the, the public, like county public health meetings, right, that are open to, open to the public, going to the Board of Supervisors meetings mm-hmm. um, and letting them know, right, um, talking to them about your life experience with trauma, talking to them about these different communities so they can pass programs and initiatives that um, can support these communities, organizing, right, with other community groups and individuals, right, to set up infrastructures that help eliminate trauma. That is mentoring, mentoring other individuals in your community who have not gotten out of their cycle, right, of trauma Mm -hmm. and helping them um, see the light and be able to heal themselves so they can also go out and start to do the work too. And that's also um, sponsoring, right? Um, That means honestly putting your money where your mouth is and funding organizations and individuals who are doing this great work to uh, eliminate trauma in our communities. And lastly, that's also maybe even getting involved with resilient wellness too. Okay. Tell me more. How how could they get involved with resilient wellness? Uh, They can get involved with resilient wellness. um, Checking out our website. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, We also have contact forms and, uh, we have applications for folks who want to get more involved and take on community roles. Um, we're going to be opening a, a center here in the community so you can actually come in and drop in and come and meet us face-to-face and participate in any of our community health events. Finding us on um, social media, following us, um, sharing our uh, health education information, um, getting involved, um, participating, Another thing is if you want to participate in providing health education, you can support us with that. Um, If you're a a health service provider, um, a holistic health service provider, or um, a conventional health service provider, you can also get involved. We're always looking for more providers on our network. Um, And if you have any skills that I haven't named previously and you feel like they can be of use to resilient wellness, that's awesome as well. Super. So going back to, you mentioned earlier this, a data you were see, you were trying to incorporate more data. So how are you tracking data how with health outcomes through the activities of resilient wellness? Awesome. So yeah, we're using technology to actually track that data. Um, we are utilizing a system so that that has um, pre-designed evaluation forms and intake forms, right? That are tracking the specific metrics that we want to. Um, capture. So let's say we want to capture um, reduction in, let's say reduction in smoking. That's a healthcare outcome. We already have pre-designed evaluation tools um, and forms that we fill out or our participants fill out to help us track that information, right? Um, On another hand, we're also getting into data science, right? That's really popular now and working with existing healthcare and insurance systems to see, hey, how are you losing money because of trauma-related disease and illnesses? And how can we help you set up systems, right, so that you're not actually um, spending a lot of money on 
um, illnesses and ailments that are actually preventable. That's the new thing. And a lot of hospitals, mm. we've had a lot of great opportunities to work with hospitals in terms of educating. We worked with Harvard, um, San Francisco General Hospital, and now we're doing some work with international health systems to help them understand um, how trauma-related illness is a, um, is a cost expenditure. Wow, that sounds awesome. Hold, I want to come back to that. We'll be taking a short break. And we can we will continue our conversation with Daisy Ozim from Resilient Wellness. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Where are you getting your advice on buying, selling, or maintaining your most important asset, your home? Is it from a reality show on cable TV, a comparison website, or are you just flying by the seat of your pants and gut instinct? Stop now before you make another move. Tune into Real Real Estate Today with host and realtor Deb Tomorrow. You can't afford to play guesswork when it comes to your new or existing home. Listen every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. What is your purpose? In the journey that we call life, our values are pre-programmed into us before we're born. During our lives, we pick up life's lessons and soul connections along the way. We explore this path on Soul Sessions with Solstice, featuring hosts Delana Davis and Rita McRae. Our program is designed to help you more confidently live from your heart and not just your head. Tune in live for Soul Sessions with Solstice every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Envision with Thomas Rosenberg. To find out more about the program, please visit our website at regenerate.coach. That's regenerate.coach. You can also visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Envision Regenerative Communities. Now back to Envision. Here again is Thomas Rosenberg. Welcome back to Envision Radio. We are here with Daisy Ozum from Resilient Wellness, and we were talking about some of the data that they are capturing around health outcomes that can help hospitals be more effective and lose and lose less money. So Daisy, welcome back. And could you just, you were talking before the break about a little bit of the data that you were tracking. Could you tell us more about some of the different data streams that you're tracking and the national and international partners that you're you're working with currently. Awesome. Um, so our data tracking project 
is going to be incorporating also machine learning. So how can we use um, these different tech concepts and these tech innovations to predict how trauma-related illness is going to be a cost burden on hospitals or to predict um, healthcare outcomes for patients, right, based on their um, based on trauma-related metrics that are directly connected to the social determinants of health. So right now, we're actually working with an organization called Outco, and they train software developers, and their software developers are actually going to be building out our platform, which is awesome. Um, And then we have a couple uh, organizations that we're going to be working with to pilot our um, machine learning platform. And because of, like, legal stuff, I can't really say the name of those organizations, but those things are happening, and you'll hear about it soon enough. I'm going to be, we're going to be posting on social media. Um, so, yeah, that's what we're doing around data. Fantastic. Fantastic. So what is your hope for Resilient Wellness? You're starting here in Oakland, and you mm-hmm. plan to keep this activity only in the Bay Area? What, what do you want to do? Oh, no, we plan on national, um, especially in light of the... Uh, I guess, dismemberment of the ACA and the implementation of this new healthcare bill, which basically being a human, um, we know that uh, marginalized communities and disadvantaged communities and people who actually don't really have the extra income to pay exorbitant healthcare fees, they're going to be at a loss. So um, we're actually working on prevention now in terms of developing healthcare plans that people can utilize, Right. Um, based on the resources in their community to have something, because having something is better than having nothing, right? Um, and our plans for resilient wellness is to really um, expand our, our cooperative model. So we are a social enterprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're a nonprofit and an LLC. Um, and we really plan to really promote the cooperative model because it is a regenerative model, right? Um, everyone gets, we, everyone shares the same profit. It's not a pyramid model where a couple people at the top are making a lot of money and then we have people on the bottom kind of struggling. Everyone kind of puts in the same amount of work and everyone reaps the same benefit, right? Um, and we're also regenerative in the sense uh, that we're using innovative tools that are not um, harmful to the human body or harmful to the earth because we know that there's a huge issue right now with uh, pharmaceuticals and ending up in our in our waterways and, and in our soil. Um, so we're kind of moving away from those models that have been uh, traditionally uh, profit over people and, and moving it back to people over profit and turning people back into their own healers. That sounds awesome. So how did you choose becoming both a nonprofit and the co-op? How, how did you... What spurred you to choose that business model? Yeah, so um, I work in philanthropy and I've worked in the sector for years. And I know that um, I'm just going to be completely transparent here. The nonprofit uh, industry is also um, a function of the extractive capitalistic model and it's very unsustainable. Um, And I saw how um, there's a lot of harm done in that industry also because of the requirements that foundations and and, um, government funders set for what programs and priorities they want to fund. And I know that um, there is a huge stake in keeping the current paradigm going. And I know that what we're doing calls for us to be actually more innovative and entrepreneurial in the sense that we have to develop a system that's going to be um, able to run and function on its own, regardless of the funding streams that are out there. So we decided to also have a business component too, 
um, so that we don't have to consistently seek out grants and uh, we don't have to change our messaging and our model to fit into what philanthropy wants to see right now. That sounds very well thought out. I couldn't agree with you more. So how do you screen practitioners who want to join your network? Yeah, so we have in-person orientations where uh, practitioners can learn about what we're doing. Um, mm-hmm. And then also we screen practitioners. So in our application, we ask practitioners um, certain questions that will help us get a better understanding of their values um, and where their priority lies in terms of providing alternate holistic medicine services because the holistic health industry, unfortunately, has lost a little bit of its um, its, its essence and its um I guess it's a purity because a lot of folks come in feeling like they can make a bunch of money by being a yoga teacher, um, and it's turned into another form of, oh, I can come in, become a practitioner for whatever modality is, and charge a bunch of people, charge a whole lot of money, and make a lot of money off of this, right? Um, so it's lost a little bit of, of, of its sacredness, but we want to make sure that people are um, doing this for the right reasons. We also want to make sure that people are uh, trauma-informed, right, and understand that this work is uh, for generations to come and that we may not really see the full impact of our work today, but we know that we're planting the seeds for um, a new system and building. Mm-hmm. Um, and last, make sure that these folks are um, not harboring um, different isms. You understand what I'm saying? That basically allow them to put value on the So that's how we screen our practitioners. Super. And and how do they become part of the co-op? Once you've screened them, yeah. how, how do the practitioners become part of the co-op? Yeah, so being a part of the co-op, like you actually are now a member, owner of the co-op. Um, and there we have set term limits. So you get to, when you sign up, you sign a contract. Um, there's terms, there's uh, regulations to um, how long contract. Um, you get to understand what benefits you get. Um, so it's definitely much like uh, um, there's a there's a lot of legality to it, um, but you still get to keep your own independent practice. You just have to make sure that you can agree to providing a certain number of services per year on the platform. And then you get a certain amount of return depending on the number of hours you put in. Is that how that works? Exactly. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. So for those in communities seeking to bring healing to the underserved populations, what questions need to be asked? What conversations need to be had? And what advice do you have and what resources should be available to better ensure success? Wow, that's a good question. So what resources do we need to better ensure success? Yeah, Um, for those in communities seeking to bring the healing to underserved populations, yeah. Right. Uh, so I guess what resources you need is social capital, number one. That's much more important than um, financial capital. Um, and then also understanding, I guess, another some other resources that you need are space. Um, you have to have a space to be able to do this work. Working remotely works for some time, but you actually, to be able to really establish yourself in the um, that's consistent where people know that they can find you on any day of the week. Um, mm-hmm. You also have to make sure that you have connections and community um, because you just can't come into the community thinking, oh, I want to do this great work, and you don't really have connections or really, or really know people that well. Um, I think another, um, some other resources that you need are, um, of course, like startup capital, but also 
you need resources in terms of how to create a successful business, um, how to run the business successfully, um, how to fundraise, right, um, and how to really, like, retain um, the essence of your organization. Because we all start off, like, with amazing, great ideas, how we want to change the world. But I've noticed that sometimes um, this even happens to the best of us. We get, we get bought out. We get, we get sold the dream. We become disillusioned by the hard work that we have to put in, and we start to um, fall short on our values in order to uh, make a buck. Mm. So you mentioned social capital earlier. What what type what what specific social capital do you feel is is needed? Is that willingness in the community? Is that human development in terms of finding those people, those practitioners of color or of the marginalized communities? to participate? What, what, what type of social capital is, is required? Right. Um, community, I'm sorry, relationships, um, intellectual property as it relates to the individual who has it. I mm-hmm. feel like those are the main forms of, of social capital you need. Um, networks, definitely. Um, mentors are a form of social capital. Um, right. Volunteers are a form of social capital or human capital. Mm-hmm. You need all of those. Okay. And on your website, you use the term to decolonizing healthcare. And so I was mm-hmm. wondering, perhaps you could speak a little bit to what that means in terms of decolonizing healthcare, regarding in terms of the social capital, as well as perhaps some of the other maybe even financial capital for that matter. Definitely. So um, when we say to decolonize healthcare, it means removing the harmful um, beliefs, right, and practices that have been embedded in uh, our, view, our views of health and what healthcare is because of the dominant, the nar- the dominant narrative um, of capitalism and exploitation um, and profit over people that has been running for like for decades and centuries now. So that means like the traditional system. um, If you don't have funds, you can't really pay in our system. um, We make sure that we provide several options for you to be able to access healthcare. So that's, if if that, if that's bartering, right. If that's um, putting in time, time banking, right. Um, If that's sliding scale, making sure that we provide several options for you to get what you need. Um, that's also removing the notion that um, Western medicine is the end-all be-all for healthcare. We know that Western medicine is amazing for, for diagnosis, right? But it hasn't been so good in terms for treatment, and that's been an issue, right? Because then what ends up happening is that we run the risk of um, establishing Western medicine as the cure-all where now we just are mainly just training doctors in how to prescribe pharmaceuticals. There's not really a lot of healing um, and, and addressing a root cause of illness. It's just kind of like treating and covering up of symptoms. So decolonizing that means getting to the root of, of illness and disease, which is uh, a lot of it is trauma um, and uh, a lack of understanding of the mind and body connection and, and stress-related illness. Um, that also means diversifying what healthcare looks like because healthcare leaders all a lot of them do not look like the individuals in the communities that they are serving right now. Um, so that's what we mean by decolonizing healthcare. Fantastic. 
Thank you for that. We'll be right back after a short break to wrap up the show. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Envision with Thomas Rosenberg. To find out more about the program, please visit our website at regenerate.coach. That's regenerate.coach. You can also visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Envision Regenerative Communities. Now back to Envision. Here again is Thomas Rosenberg. Welcome back to Envision, a show about regenerative communities. I'm Thomas Rosenberg, and I'm here with our guest, Daisy Ozim from Resilient Wellness. Daisy, you've presented several times recently, both locally and to international audience. I would love to hear more about those events and the reception you and Resilient Wellness have had. Yeah, so some of the events that we have are health education events um, and group group healing events. Those are some of the, most of the events that we hold um, because we are going to be raising capital to launch um, our new tech platform. We're going to be having more events where we're actually um, turning healing into into fun um, and giving people opportunities to expand um, their horizons in terms of what entertainment is to them and utilizing um, health as a form of uh, entertainment. Because these days it's usually, oh, go to the bar or, or go to the club or go to some sports venue or the movies, and we just want to expand um, individuals' horizons in terms of what can be entertainment. So, so those are some of the events that we host in the community. Um, our healing events are really fun. Um, they're always for free, um, and they always cover a, a wide variety of topics, um, and we give people the education and the hands-on tools um, and skills that they need to continue um, on their healing process even after they leave our events. 
Super. And you, I've also, I also understand that you've spoken at several conferences recently, both nationally and internationally, and I would like to hear more. Yay, yeah. So um, I spoke at the 2016 Institute for Healthcare Improvement Conference in Florida. That was amazing. Um, you meet like the most amazing leaders in healthcare from around the world. I spoke at the um, Youth Health and Tech Conference um, just this past uh, April in, here in San Francisco. Um, I spoke at um, Impact Hub um, on decolonizing um, on decolonizing social innovation, and that was really that was really exciting and fun as well. Um, I'm going to be speaking at going to Ireland um, for the Institute for Quality Improvement Conference. Um, later on, and then also in September on to the Mobile Health Coalition Conference, and that's going to be really fun as well. Um, and I'll oh, I have, I have another conference coming up, um, and it's going to be talking. We're going to be discussing um, innovations and in mental health because we take a really innovative approach to mental health. And this conference is going to be hosted by um, a really amazing organization called California Youth Connection. And they've been doing mental health advocacy for young people for the past like, 25 years. So I'm excited about that as well. That's awesome. So what, what innovations are you playing with in terms of how you're addressing mental health for youth? Yeah, so we're taking a very innovative approach to how we um, address mental health for youth. We're moving from that the dynamic of the therapist or psychotherapist as a savior into um, you are your, you are your own healer. You are your best teacher, right? And you can Mm -hmm. use your lived experience to empower you um, instead of victimize you. Uh, We're also kind of moving away from the psychotropic drug model, which I, um, San Jose Mercury News did a really great four part series on the psychotropic drug epidemic among youth and how it's actually causing more harm than good. And I, I really encourage everyone to find that very easy to find um, and read that and learn about what's really happening and how the pharmaceutical industry is making a lot of money off of um, young people just not being aware of trauma and just not being aware of how to like cope with their feelings and that it's okay to feel sad or angry or hurt. Sometimes we live in a system that has perpetuated uh, various um, modes of structural violence and our families have been caught in the crossfire. So of course we're dealing with a lot of hurt and pain and, 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 and anguish. Um, and we're also providing um, healing clinics, right? So we know that cannabis use is really popular among young people. We're providing healing clinics um, so people can young, learn about um, using cannabis from a harm reduction model because we know people are not going to stop. So how do we teach them how to use it in a very healthy way? Um, we also provide mobile um, uh, uh, herbal clinics where we mm-hmm. come on site Right. And um, whatever mental health Ill- ailment that you're dealing with, we provide trained, certified herbalists to be able to help you walk through that process and learn about, hey, what are the different tools I can use to heal from my depression with herbalism? Right. What are the different foods? too? we have nutritionists come, come as well um, and teach our nutrition and mental health workshop. But they also give crafted meal plans to help people heal from like things like schizophrenia, which we know are directly connected to mineral deficiencies, right? How do I use different foods to heal from anxiety? Um, how do I, how do I cope with the different disorders that I was diagnosed with through herbalism and food and, and natural healing practices? That sounds really exciting. Super. Yeah. So you mentioned recently on Facebook that you were recently appointed to the children and young adult board for uh, SAMHSA. SAMHSA. Yeah. So I was wondering, what is SAMHSA, and what will your role be? 
Awesome. So SAMHSA basically is um, substance abuse and mental health um, services uh, administration, and they are on the um, federal level. So most of the mainstream mental health programs that you see out in the community, um, they're actually funded by SAMHSA. They give out like anywhere from 400000 to a million dollar grants. So this Children and Youth Council that I got onto, I'm really excited because um, as a young person, I mean, it's really important to have youth voice involved. But what we're going to be doing is actually informing um, the funding streams um, and informing the programs and initiatives and um, social media mar- campaigns and marketing materials uh, for SAMHSA. And I think mm-hmm. that that's really important because you need to have um, diversity at that decision-making table so they can better understand how to craft strategies that really address um, the diversity of mental health ailments and society as a whole. Super. Uh, Congratulations. And I I look forward to following your, the progress and your impact uh, going forward. So what is one lesson that you've learned thus far that you wish you knew at the beginning of this now four year long journey with resilient wellness? Definitely. Well, I thought that people would be excited. Um, that we're going to be addressing like the root causes of health care disparities in our communities, but I did not realize how invested folks are in keeping the system alive. I wish mm-hmm. I knew that. Um, I also, let's see, what other lessons have I learned? Wow. Um, but you really have to have a good team behind you and that you can't let um, other people and their limitations impact um, your belief in yourself or your belief in, in your uh, program. Sounds good. So how can we, you mentioned briefly at the top of the show, some of your, your social media handles. So how can we follow you and Resilient Wellness's progress? Definitely. Um, so we're on Facebook at just like as uh, Resilient Wellness. Mm-hmm. We're on um, Twitter as well as Resilient Wellness. We're on Twitter, sorry, we're on Instagram as Wealth, the number mm-hmm. four, Health. So it's Wealth for Health. And we're also on LinkedIn as Resilient Wellness. Fantastic. Thank you, Daisy. It's been a pleasure having you here today. We know we've spoken today about initiatives on human and social capital. And we'll be having Mm -hmm. more shows like this, examining each of the five capitals. Please tune in next week for our next show. And you can find a recording of today's show and my social media links on my host page on the Variety Channel at voiceamerica.com. Thanks for joining me today. We'll be back next week at 2 p.m. Pacific. I'm your host, Thomas Rosenberg, and this is Envision Radio. Thank you for tuning in this week to Envision with Thomas Rosenberg. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week.